This message was recorded live at Elevate Church in Erie, Pennsylvania. As followers of Christ, we follow a God who was crucified, dead, buried, got up, walked out of the tomb, demonstrating that there's nothing that you and I can't walk out of. He doesn't love me based on my performance. God loves me based on my position. It matters so much that we imitate Christ and we live out those principles. There's nothing that you could do. There's there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevateerie.tv. What's going on, Elevate Church? How are you guys doing today? Hey, awesome. I want to welcome you. My name is Colby. If this is your first time here, someone invited you to church today, or maybe they didn't. Maybe they said, hey, you want to come watch a movie with me, and you ended up here, all right? And if that was the case, they only half lied to you because this used to be, obviously, the dollar theater. You guys know that. Many of you maybe had your first kiss, you know, right in this room, like before it was a church. Maybe some of you after it was a church. That's weird. We're not going to talk about that. Uh, but I want to say welcome, um, and we are in this, this series called At the Movies, and I, it raises the question, like, why? Like, why on earth would a church want to talk about movies? Um, the better question, I think, is why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we? Because we love movies. How many of you, by a raise of hand, uh, ha- have gone to a movie in the last year? All right, raise your hand. Right? See, that's most of us in this room. Those of you that haven't gone to a movie, you should check them out. They're awesome. You'll love them. I promise you. But we love movies. We love the fact that we can go you know, to a building and, and suspend reality for like 90 minutes to 100 minutes, right? Just kind, of, just kind of sit there and soak. And go and we get some popcorn, right? We love popcorn. We love popcorn that's been soaked in that, that yellow liquid that's not even real butter, you guys. That's nasty. It clogs your arteries, you know, it's going to kill you. But you don't care because you're eating popcorn, you're at the movies, it's awesome. My popcorn's bigger than your popcorn that you have today. Um, Actually, this isn't popcorn because when I go to the movies, we don't normally get popcorn, me and my family. What we do is this. And uh, before before I tell you what we do, don't judge me because you do it too. I know you do it too. We stop on the way to the theater at the dollar store. I mean, we got five people in my family, right? Bunch of sinners, you're all going to hell. No, I'm just kidding. But we stop at the dollar theater, or the dollar store, and we let our kids pick out, like, their favorite movie snack. Um, So I have some movie snacks here, and if I pull your favorite one out of this, you might go home with it today, all right? So let's, let's make some noise from this. How many of you, this is your favorite right here, the Swedish fish? Yeah, all right. Like, for real, you're, are you lying or are you serious? Are you serious? This is your favorite? Yeah, this, she's excited about this. I never got in. I'm going to pass this back to you, okay? So if I kill someone else sitting around you, my bad. Here it comes. Uh-oh, that's way off. It's terrible. Make sure that gets over there. I never got into the Swedish fish uh, except for Rita's ice, like Italian ice. I love me some Swedish fish. How many of you uh, staying on the, the, the chewy kind of stuff? How many of you Twizzlers? Twizzlers? Right here? All right, you like those? All right, we're gonna pass those back. But you're holding a baby. You do know we have an Elevate Kids program, right? That I'm just, just throwing that out there. How many of you, this is your favorite? Let's, let's move on to the peanut buttery things people freak out about. Yeah, dang! 
People are going nuts. Reese's Pieces. Reese's, all right, there you go. How about right there? Awesome, awesome. Or you're kind of old school like me. This is one of my favorites right here. Who's this? Peanut M&Ms. Like for real, is this really your favorite? Like for real? It's mine too, I'm keeping that one. It's my favorite too. All right, now listen, when I pull this final one out of here, like don't just lose your mind. How many of you, this is your favorite, Reese's Cup? See, this is sad. Because I could stand up here and I could say, Jesus is Lord, and this is what we get. Yay, amen, he's Lord. I say Reese's cup, and you lose your dang minds. But here you go, right there. That's your favorite, Reese's cup. Um, really, the question is, and I know that's not the answer you're looking for, you know, why is it that a church, like why would a church, biblically speaking, talk about movies? Uh, and here's one of the reasons why. As you look through scripture, there are some amazing teachers in God's word. And many times they would take something that is relevant to culture and they would use that thing to talk about Jesus. Jesus himself did this. He would take things that, that, that was uh, culturally relevant and he would use that to tell people about the timeless truths of scripture. Paul in Acts chapter 17, he's in Greece and Greece was known for its um, higher thinking of the day. These were the philosophers. These were the poets of the day. He went to Greece and he would use something that, that they were always, already talking about and use those things to raise questions as to point them to who Jesus was. So one of the main reasons we're even doing this series uh, at the movies is because when you think about it, the, the, the poets and the philosophers of today really are the, the songwriters of today. They're the screenwriters of today. I mean, if you want to have your, your finger on the pulse of pop culture, uh, if you want to know what it is that connects, you know, the human heart, you don't have to look any further than, than some of the movies that are out there that are being written, some of the songs that are being written. And as we go through this series, I want you to ask this question, what is it about this movie that connects with me on a deeper level? Like, what is it, you know, about this film? Why, why was it such an impactful Film. I want you to ask those questions because from the beginning of this book, we're told that we're created in the image of God. And God was an unbelievable, incredible creator. And so is it any wonder that when we create, like when, when we write, when there are movies that are made, that there are these movies of grace and of sacrifice, right, of, of adventure, uh, these things that connect with who we are. They're, it's hardwired into our Heart. So during this series, uh, it's going to be fun. We're going to have a blast. And obviously today, we're talking about the Avengers Age of Ultron. How many of you actually have seen this movie? Raise your hand. All right, you've seen this movie. All right, I'm not a comic book guy. I I'm not knocking you if you are. I'm sure you have a really cool place in your mother's basement. And that's awesome. But I'm not, I don't personally like comic books. Um, I'm just kidding. I was talking to a guy. Earlier, and he said, why are, you, why are you busting on comic book, you know, comic books? Because, you know, I have a comic book that's worth over $200, man. And I'm like, that's awesome. You should sell that, and you should ask a girl out on a date. It'll change your life. I'm just, I'm just being honest with you. <laughs> but this movie is the second in the series, in a Marvel comic series called Avengers. It's called The Age of Ultron. And this movie had a $256 million production budget. And this movie was the second highest grossing of last year at over $1.2 billion. So I can talk all the smack I want to about comic books, but that's a lot 
of money. And so let me give you kind of the, the plot of this movie, all right? There was this billionaire inventor named Tony Stark, and he sets out to eliminate evil from the world. He wants to create this artificial intelligence uh, that's going to bring about world peace. The problem is this artificial intelligence named Ultron starts thinking for itself, and it arrives at the conclusion that if we're going to eradicate evil, then we also have to eliminate the human race, because really at the heart of all of us, we are broken and we are sinful. And so this is one of those good ideas, you know, that, that went bad, and what made it more difficult to defeat this artificial intelligence was that the Avengers, um, even though they had this unbelievable power on their own, they started getting divided. They stopped working together, right? But only when they started working back together could they come together and ultimately defeat the evil Ultron and rescue all of humanity. There's a small part of me that doesn't believe I just said any of that right now, but... That's, that's kind of it in a nutshell, all right? And there's some unbelievable characters in this movie. This movie has a lot of things. It really is a great movie if you haven't seen it. It's got adventure. It's got more fighting in it, I think, than dialogue, which a lot of us guys, you know, enjoy. It's got love. It's got sacrifice. It has everything in it. And these guys are all so different, all these characters, you know, Thor, the Iron Man, uh, Hulk, all these guys are so different, and on their own, they're powerful, but on their own, they don't stand a chance. But together, together they can defeat Ultron. So what I want us to do is I want us to watch the last fight scene. This is going to take about one minute and 22 seconds of your life right now. And it's going to help set up where we are going today. So check this out. All right. So if you have your Bible, open it up this morning to Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, if you have your smartphone with the Bible app on it, go ahead and give it, get it out. I know in a theater they would tell you to turn your phones off. I'm telling you to turn it on. Get that out. I want you to take some notes because this is the big idea, what we're going for today, uh, and that is on your own, you don't stand a chance, all right? But write this down. We is greater than me. Go ahead and write that down. Write that on your Connect card real big. Draw a picture. We is greater than me. From cover to cover, this Bible is all about the we. From the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, he created Adam, and he said that it wasn't good for man to be alone. Why? Because we is greater than me. The wisest man on earth, King Solomon, he, he wrote down this in Ecclesiastes. He said, hey, one person by himself, that's no bueno. Two people together, that's better. But three, like that's it. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Why did he say that? Because we is greater than me. Jesus understood this. Like Jesus didn't fly solo, he operated with his disciples because we is greater than me. And when he sent the disciples out, the apostles out to go plant the churches, they went in teams. Why? We is greater than me. The early church in Acts, they understood this. They committed to doing life together because they knew that we is greater than me. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, we is greater than me. Right now, go ahead and do it. We is greater than me. There's power in we. There is endurance in we. There is protection in we. There's strength in we. There's an African proverb that says this. Many of you know it. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. This life that you're living in is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And we is greater than me. In fact, I'll, I'll say it this way. There is no greater um, 
idea that we is greater than me than, than what this day represents, 9-11. 9-11, 15 years ago, I, I can't help, as soon as I start seeing posts on social media, uh, it automatically transports me back to where I was when I saw the events of that day unfolding, how like horrified I was, how shocked I was, you know, just watching the screen as everything was happening. But did you know in that day and in the days to follow, this nation came together uh, and laid aside all differences like no other time? Like we stood shoulder to shoulder, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, it didn't matter. It's amazing that tragedy often leads to unity. I love that. I love that. Shoulder to shoulder. Why? To rebuild. Why? Because we knew we were better together. We is greater than me. Tell the other person that you didn't talk to the first time, say, hey, we is greater than me. We is greater than me. This church exists so that people who are far from God can reach their full potential in Christ. And here's what you need to know. We believe you can never do that on your own. You will never arrive there on your own. You will never reach your full potential. It doesn't matter if you met Jesus here at Elevate. If you don't learn how to do life with one another, you will D-I-E. If you decide you want to DIY, you will D-I-E. Did you know that Christians can, can have a spiritual death? I didn't say you could lose your salvation. But you can die spiritually when you start to decide that you're going to isolate yourself from the body. You're going to start to isolate yourself from everyone else. You start losing your connection. Isolation leads to spiritual assassination. I mean, think of the, the, the pack of or herd of, whatever you want to call them, of gazelles, right? And the lion that's on the prowl. As soon as it can separate, right, the weakest member from that herd, that thing is isolated. And something that is isolated is an easy target. Something that is isolated is easily assassinated, but we is greater than me. Not to mention, church, isolated people tend to get weird. They do. Like, only a family in isolation thought that this picture was a good idea right here. I'm sorry if that's your family. I apologize. I apologize for that. Right? But come on. That's like, that's denim for days going on right there. That's crazy. That family alone, you know, was able to help Levi, you know, hit their first quarter sales goals, I think, right there. That's, that's nuts. Isolated people get weird. And we were never meant to do life alone, to isolate ourselves. We is greater than me. There's power in we. we. There's strength in we. And I want you to get involved in this message today. I'm going to need the we personally because I've been sick I got a cold, you know, I was, I was sweating up here earlier. I think this is my fourth shirt today. I'm just, I'm just, listen, I need you to help me preach this message, all right? I need you to holler back at me, say, come on, Colby, say, preach it, pastor, say whatever you need to do because I need the weed today, all right? And you do too. You need the weed too, and here's why. That's all right, write this down. You need weed because you may survive alone, but you'll never thrive alone. You may survive alone, but you will never thrive alone. Every single week, we will point you to who Jesus here is here at this church. But we often say that making a decision for Christ, that's, that's, that's the starting line. It's not about a one-time decision. It's about daily devotion. And what is that next step for many of us in this room? Well, I think Hebrews 10 uh, shows us the secret 
to that. And if you've been coming to this church for any amount of time, you've heard us say things like there's no such thing as a lone wolf, that, that we were not meant to do life alone because alone, we're too weak. Alone, we're isolated. Alone, we're an easy target for the prey. We were not meant to do life alone. Hebrews 10, here we go. Chapter, uh, chapter 10, starting in verse 19. Some of you are like, I was wondering when he's gonna get to God's word. Well, here we go, all right? And I want you to participate with this too because what we're gonna read in just a moment, 19 through 25, there are some words, some small words that are in bold type. And I want you to read them out loud together because it's these small, simple words that have a tremendous implication, a huge impact for you and for me today and for the we. Here we go. Let's read this together. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. So right off the bat, we see that we is greater than me. We live in a culture here in America that values the individual. We are all about individuality. We say things like, you know, I'm gonna get mine. It's all about me. You know, we're after the, the, the mantra of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We are all about me, but God's kingdom is not about the me. God's kingdom is about the we. Let's keep reading. By a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. The writer of Hebrews wanted you and me to know that this was not about individuality, but this was about plurality. The writer of Hebrews, and we don't really even know for sure who that was. It could have been this guy named Barnabas. It could have been this guy named Apollos. We're not, we're not sure. He wanted to make sure that we understood, though, that we're all in this together, that this is an us. Those words, us, we, our, that's who this church is. That's who you are. He's talking to the, the guy that works the line at GE. He's talking to the doctor that works long hours overnight and has gone from his family uh, a ton. He's talking to the nurse that works third shift. He's talking to the teacher that's doing her best this year to make an impact in the school and two weeks in and she already feels like you know, she's failing. He's talking to the, the high schooler, right? That two weeks into school, you know, you've already been approached. You're trying to be a witness for Christ in your school but you've already been approached about you know, taking drugs and alcohol. He's talking to everyone in this room. It doesn't matter your past or where you come from. This is who we are. This We are this us. We is greater than me. Me by myself, I'm a dead man. Me by myself, I'm susceptible to sin. Me by myself, I'm prideful. Me by myself, I can, I can have the, the idea that the world revolves around me. Me is not as great as we. We is greater than me, and the best way to grow is to move from this me mentality to a we mentality. And God will always push us there. Let's keep reading. Verse 23, let us hold unswervingly, underline that word, highlight that word. We're gonna come back to that. I love that word. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see that day. Does anyone know why day is capitalized in that? 
That day is talking about the second coming of Christ. Here's the thing you need to know about Jesus. Jesus is a promise maker, and he's a promise keeper. And when he left this earth, he promised that he was going to come back one day, that he would return. In fact, he told his disciples that I'm going to prepare a place for you. Can you see in this that Jesus is all about the family? He's all about the we. And if the son of the living God is about the we, then who are we to think that we don't have to be? Like we need each other, that we are greater together. We're greater together. Encouragement in that verse, it says that, that uh, let us, you know, not giving up meeting together, some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Can I tell you something about encouragement? That can only happen in the context of we. Like if I'm not in a relationship with you, like if we're not in a relationship together, I don't know what you need. I have no idea what you need. I don't know how to best encourage you. Encouragement only happens when you're in close community and all the more as we see that day approaching. It's not that family, it's not that community is a nice idea. Family is fundamental to your survival. Family is fundamental to your survival. And the family of God exists so that we can encourage each other and all the more as that day is approaching. So here's what I want us to do, all right? With the time that we have left, we're gonna look at three of these let us statements that this writer uh, writes in Hebrews chapter 10. The first one is this, let us draw near to God. And here's what I want you to write down instead of that. We drives me to he. Write that down. Let us draw near to God. We drives me to he. We often say that the first step away from the family of God, or the first step away from God is a step away from the family of God, that we drive each other to God, that as we draw close to God, like, like we encourage one another to do that. Like, it helps me know uh, that I'm, I'm like many of you in this room. I'm a busy guy, I got a lot going on, and there are days in my life where I'll get up and I wanna get to work before I get in God's word, all right? It just happens. But when I know and I start thinking about some of my friends that I know are awake, that I know are you know, in God's word, that are you know, reading scripture, or I start to think about the guys that are waiting for me at Starbucks at 6.15 in the morning on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you know, so we can, we can study God's word together, it motivates me. It drives me, we drives me to he. And the ultimate outcome of that, I mean, when we draw close to God, the Bible says he draws close to us in James chapter four, verse eight. And what a great result. I get strength, I'm driven to God. The notion that, you know, the pastor of the church uh, is up at the crack of dawn um, and on his knees before the rooster crows thrice, reading the original Greek and Hebrew, you know, of God's word. I mean, maybe that's true for a lot of people, but I'm just being honest, I struggle. I struggle with it. I'm not as consistent as I want to be. But we, we together draws me, drives me to he. The second one I want you to write down is this. It says, let us hold unswervingly to hope. Before we get to what I want you to write down, I love that word, unswervingly. Unswervingly, many of you, you got teenage drivers in your house. Like, and you hope, you know, that they're not swerving everywhere. But the truth is, a lot of us in our faith, like, we swerve. You swerve. 
Like we're not always, you know, like this. We're not always, you know, straight and narrow right down the path. The reality is we swerve. I swerve. You swerve. You know, we swerve. Um, sometimes I'm, I'm excited about prayer and I'm, I'm, I'm charging hard for it. Other times, if I'm honest, man, it's just I'm swerving. I'm not that excited about it. Sometimes I'm excited about reading God's word and, man, can't get enough of it. I'm on that straight and narrow. Other times we swerve. We, sometimes I'm, you know, I'm good. I'm not sinning. I'm not falling into temptation. Other times, man, I'm sinning. I'm falling into temptation. We, we all swerve. So how do we do that? Write this down instead. Let us hold unswervingly to hope. Here's what I want you to write down. We gives me hope. We gives me hope. Anybody in this room ever felt hopeless? Raise your hand. Here's what I know, all right? If you have been alive for any amount of time on this earth, you have had those moments where you have felt hopeless. I know I have. Like I've had those moments on Sunday as I'm preparing you know, for a message. I feel empty sometimes. I feel you know, depleted. I feel hopeless. And you know what's pulled me out of that funk? Is we. People speaking into my life, people, you know, pulling me through, giving me hope. My wife is here. She is my main um, contributor of hope in my life, next to, you know, my faith in Jesus Christ. She is, because she's the one that's there saying, hey, you got this today. You can do this. You're going to kill it, right? That gives me hope. Uh, Scott Russell's another good friend of mine. He's the prayer team leader here. He and I, every single Sunday, we're back behind these doors begging God to move, begging God to do something, to speak through me, to have God's spirit move in your life, and, and no matter what I say, that, that God's moving in your life. We beg God for that. Gives me hope. We have trustees in this church that love and care for me, for my family, that are praying for you constantly. We gives each other hope. Me by myself I can get hopeless, but we, we can get hopeful. We can find hope in one another. Like, when you're hopeless, you know what? You can borrow hope from someone else. You can do that. Because this room right here, here's what I know about this room. We, collective we, we got some stories to tell that will give us hope. There are some families in this room, there are some marriage in this marriages in this room that were falling apart, that were dead, but Christ came in and resurrected what was dead and brought them together. Man, I draw hope from that. I don't know about you, but there are some families in this room, maybe you were running from God. You know, you had a relapse in your addiction, but God reached down and rescued you. I get hope from that. We can borrow hope from one another. We, together, gives us hope. I know from time to time in my life, I need hope. I need hope. The last one is this. Let us spur one another on. You know what a spur is? Some of those cowboys wear, right? We got any cowboys in the room? Yeah, a couple, all right. <laughs> hey, partner, hey, partner. Cowboys wear these spurs. You know what a spur does? A spur is this metal spike thing. I, somebody could probably describe it better than me, but I know the point of it. It's to, to get that horse moving when it doesn't want to move or to get it going in a certain direction or to help it maintain focus or to pick up the pace a little bit. This is what I want you to write down. We won't let me quit. We won't let me quit. We spur one another on. You know what that looks like? That looks like me saying, hey, 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 you're not giving up. 
I'm spurring you. You're better than that. You can do better than that. Let's go. Keep moving. Keep pressing on. Stop playing the victim, right? Because if you continually play the victim, you're never going to walk in victory. Let's go. That's what we does. And when you feel like quitting, man, the we won't let you quit. This is what the we says. Hey, you feel like quitting? I'm coming over to your house. We're going to put the kids in the basement. We are going to... We're gonna get together around God's word. We're gonna go old school, right, and pray and seek God. You're cooking me dinner, but I'm coming over and we're gonna seek God. That's what we does together. We says, I'm coming into your life. Over my dead body, will that marriage end in ruin? Over my dead body, are you gonna relapse again and go back out on the street? Over my dead body, are you gonna ruin your life? That's what we does. Hey, hey. You can't do that if you don't have we. The reason why some of you in this room, you can just see this pattern of your life moving from one thing to the next is because you haven't had we to fall back on. You've been trying to do it on your own, but we, man, we can spur one another on. And spur doesn't have to be something that's negative, right? It can just be coming around you saying, hey, you can do better. And there's more that God wants to do in your life. That God wants you to be the, the husband. He wants you to be the father, you know, that, that he created you to be. That's what spurring does. We don't let one another quit. And by the way, when someone in your life wants to quit, that you have a relationship with, and you result to saying, well, that's just who they are. They're not making any progress. They're not making any forward movement in that. Don't. Listen, don't let their idleness be your excuse for inactivity. Like, you don't let them quit. Like, you keep spurring, right? You keep trying. You keep motivating because as soon as you stop spurring, you've stopped trying. When you stop trying, you stop caring. And it's a short leap from there to stop loving. But we spur. We spur one another on. Look at this last verse in this. If I can find where I am. Verse 25. It says, not giving up hope, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Um, man, I love this. I really do. Um, I don't know what type of church you grew up in. More than likely, it probably didn't look anything like this. Um, but my grandfather was a Methodist minister in Boaz, Alabama. All right? This is the heart of Alabama. And what he would do is he would travel from the small country church to small country church, just kind of moving around. And here's what I love about the small country church. Those people are a we. Those people don't give up meeting together. In fact, you don't dare dream of missing a Sunday in a small country church. You know why? Because if you don't show up, they're coming over to your house on the way home. <laughs> hey, we missed you today. What's going on in your life, right? Because they belong to each other. Why? Because they have skin in the game. They know they're better together. They know the importance and the value of we. I mean, that's their uncle, that's their aunt, that's their cousin, that's the kid they grew up with, you know, and went to church with. Man, can we learn what it means to keep meeting together? Hey, don't give up on this. The first step away from this will end up being another step away from, from God and you'll move further and further and further away from the we. I don't come here because I'm the pastor of this church. 
I don't even come here to, to check a box and to say, man, I, I did it for this week. I come here because I can't do this without you. I can't do this without you. We is greater than me, but encouraging one another says, and then all the more as you see that day approaching. The last thing I want you to write down is this. We gives me courage. We gives me courage to do more than I ever could. We can do more than me. I want to show it to you this way. I brought this bench out here, and you guys were wondering, you know, what's up with that bench. Um, Sometimes in life, there are things that are, are heavy for us. And we decide that, you know, we're going to just do this on our own, right? I can take care of this. I got this. Um, I'll throw this on here. We had a little balancing issue last, last, last service, but just bear with me. And we think, you know what? I got this. I can lift this. And the reality is you probably can. There's a lot of things that you face. There's a lot of bumps in the road. You just decide, you know, I can weather the storm. I can do this myself. But we doesn't let ourselves weather the storm on our own, right? Let me bring out some of my guys to come help me out, some of the strong guys of this church. This is Scott and Adam. I brought the bodybuilders out today. It's Adam. He's juicing a little bit. But see, here's, here's the thing. This is, this is my life, right? He's not really, he's not really juicing, right? So I don't think he is. I don't, think, I don't know. Um, this is my life. And, and on my own sometimes, you know, this right here, man, I think, you know, this is no big deal. You know, I got this. I can handle this all day long. But since I got my, my we with me, you know, then I probably would attempt more than I could if I was by myself. So I got that. But the reality is, that's easy. And many of you, that's a, that's a normal day. But what happens when, when something comes out of nowhere and catches you off guard and you lose your job, right? Or, or maybe, you know, things get really tough and your spouse decides, hey, you know, I'm not doing this anymore. I can't handle this anymore. This is too much. This is more than I asked for. And all of a sudden, that burden gets a little heavier, gets a little greater. But fortunately, if you got we together, right, then they're, they're there for you. Now, I'd probably get this on my own. I could probably hand this, handle this, but why would I? Why would I not want to share, you know, some of this load right here? And I just know that as soon as I'm wrestling or, or dealing with this thing, that I could take this weight and it could crush me. It could crush me if I was on my own. But since I got my boys, man, they're right there with me to help me out. That's awesome. There's a we there. There's strength in we, but what happens when it gets really bad? And there's something that you face that you can't lift, that you can't carry. You know someone like this. Maybe you were this person. You were up against something that you had no idea how you were ever going to make it through, that it was this burden, this weight that you could not lift on your own, this right here, there's no way I get that on my own. That's, that's 315, right? There's no way I can get that on my own. There's no way I could ever come out of that on my own. That crushes me. On my own, I'm a dead man. Isolated with no one to help, there's no way. But since 
I got my guys around me here. Now, last service, they didn't help me out too much, and I almost died. You guys got, you guys got me this time, right? But since I got these guys here, oh, dang. It's a lot of weight, people. But since I got my boys here, then this won't crush me. We can handle it. Yeah. This is as simple as I can put it. This is the weight of your life. This is the stuff that will crush you. And on your own, you're a dead man, you're a dead woman. But in the collective of a we, there's strength. In the collective of a we, you have courage. You got people that got your back that can say, don't quit, don't quit, press on. In a we, right, you draw closer and closer to God. We is greater than me. This is what I want you to do. Bow your head with me. And just right now, I'm asking you to create some space in your life. I am preaching this to you, but just as much as it is to you, it's for me. We try to weather these storms on our own. And the reality is we can't. Maybe you're sitting here today and you are not in a community. You are not in a family. You don't know who you would turn to. Like if something really happened to you. I'm not talking about the normal daily routine stuff of life that hits you, that maybe blindsides you. I'm talking about who would you really turn to if your wife said, I'm done, and she moved down. If you lost that family member, there are couples in this room, you're devastated. You've been trying to have children and get pregnant for years. Who do you turn to in that time? Really, who's the we that comes around you? I know how devastating that is. Who is the we in your life? Because this is what I want you to prayerfully consider, that this is a family, that you're not to give up meeting together. And if it were up to me as your pastor of this church, I would much rather you not come here on Sunday if you were connected in a small group of people that had each other's back, that you were drawing near to God together, that they were pushing you. Because I understand that real life change happens in the context of small groups, of the we, of the we, of the we. You need this we. You might sit there and think you have it all figured out. You don't. You don't. If God said this was important to him, who are we kidding to think it's not important to us? Stay connected. Maybe some of you are just, you've been coming to church and that's a great place to start. Keep coming back, keep coming back, keep coming back. But some of you need to move from spectator to participator. And you need to get connected to we. Get connected to we. Ask God today to connect you to we. And while we're praying today, there are some of you in this room. Here's what I know. Not everyone in this room is a follower of Jesus. But he's brought you to this place because he wants to tell you how much he loves you and cares for you. 
and that the, the most important we, the first thing that you can establish in your life is that relationship with God the Father, that he wants you to be a part of his family, of his we. And the way we do that is through prayer. We confess our sins to God. We believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. And the Bible says that we're saved. In that moment, we're saved. We have a fresh start, that we're part of this global we, these followers of Jesus Christ. And it's not that we can't fall away, because we can when we isolate ourselves. We're stronger together. There's strength in numbers. But today, maybe God is drawing you to him. The first decision you need to make is to surrender your life to Jesus. I want to lead you in a prayer if that's you today. It's how we communicate with God. But the most important part of this prayer is that you believe it in your heart and that you mean it when you pray it. Jesus, today, pray this with me. Pray it out loud. Whisper it to God. Jesus, today... I surrender it all to you. I want to be a part of your family. Say that to him. Jesus, I want to be a part of your family. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving my sin with your death on the cross. Today I confess you as Lord. Say that again to him. I confess you as Lord, and I believe with all my heart that God raised you from the dead. So right here and right now, I'm being raised to new life in Jesus' name. Everyone with their head bowed, not looking around. If you prayed that with me today, would you just raise your hand and be proud and be bold and say, today I join the family of God. That's so good. Praise God for you. Hands all over this room saying today, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Let me pray for you. Jesus, I pray that you would continue to draw us together to you, that you would make us so pressed with this concern, this urgency to have this we, this united we together, that you continue to draw us in closer relationship to you. I pray for those that made a commitment today, God, that you would raise them up, that you would lead them into a deeper, deeper relationship with you, not forsaking this meeting, not forsaking this meeting, but together coming into community. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate big. Come on, that's great news. That's the best news. Praise God for you. We're always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevateerie.tv.